Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to a slightly delayed but bumper-packed edition of ESSR Central. Sorry it's so late in the week. We had to do the draft because of those pesky Saturday Draft Live boys and their ego. But we're back again with all the news, reviews, interviews and previews of the week. And I'm joined by one of those people who caused it to be delayed, David Hockney. Hey, listen, the draft's the best thing going on this damn podcast. So the fact that we had to squeeze it in this week, you know, we just came off a mammoth season and it is now our biggest season ever. So there was a lot of planning and prep that went into it. And I'm pretty sure it was worth everybody's time in the end. I'll beg to differ, but that's just me. I'm joking. It was was a good time. It It was a fun show. You can catch that on Eat Sleep Suplex retweet on YouTube. Uh, and if you want to find us on social media, that's at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community if you want to get involved in the conversation. And if you want to listen to it on the go this coming Saturday, it'll be available on our Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, and all good Android podcasting sites. That's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on all those platforms. Uh, we'll... We'll get through it because it's a big show. We'll get through some of the smaller stories of the week. Um, a nice wee feel-good story, um, 2.0, the former Ever Rise, were meant to be on Dynamite this week. However, one of them's just became a father, so congratulations to, I don't know what one it is, but congratulations to whatever one it is on becoming yeah. a dad. Congratulations indeed. And, you know, sometimes, you know, just family things take precedent over over everything. So it's it's a shame they missed Dynamite, but it was for good reason. Yeah, uh, a couple of other people list missing, missing, easy for me to say, shows in the next coming weeks, but for unfortunately different reasons, uh, Shingo from New Japan Pro Wrestling and Smackdown commentator Pat McAvey, both uh, diagnosed with COVID, currently isolating, we wish them all the best, um, hopefully see them back soon. Yep, uh, I mean I can't really comment on Shingo, but Pat McAfee, you know, as much as I hated him as a heel character in NXT, he is doing brilliantly as a commentator. I think he's becoming one of the most beloved personalities on SmackDown at the minute. And you know, it's a shame because he has posted that he's been double vaxxed as well. But you know, the Delta variant's been still a problem in the US, and yeah, it's just one of those things. Unfortunately, I hope he get hope he has a speedy recovery. Yeah. But of course, one of the good things about doing this on a bit of a delay is the fact that not only has his first appearance happened, his second appearance has happened. 
It's been seven and a half years of chance of CM Punk at every every indie show, WWE show, AEW show. He's been rumoured to be returning for seven and a half years, even though he's been away for seven and a half years. Um, and this past Friday, Dave, it finally happened. The second edition of Rampage that did over one million viewers. Mm-hmm. CM Punk, they wasted no time whatsoever, kicked off the show to a deafening Money in the Bank level pop. Oh, listen, that, that was beyond Money in the Bank level pop because... Money in the Bank 2011 goes down as probably one of my favorite ever pay-per-views because of the response to CM Punk. And the response he got on the Rampage was unlike anything I've ever heard. I even compared it to say that it was louder than Triple H's return at Madison Square Garden. That was deafening. And his arrival has basically just broke the entire wrestling world because we've got the new... Fan reaction with the the crying guy is the as a meme picture. Uh, AEW's merch sales pretty much crashed as a result. the The line was about two miles long, and Punk now holds the record for most t shirts sold in the space of I think it's forty eight hours or seventy two hours, overtaking the NWO t shirt as well. This return is arguably one of the biggest in the entire industry. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I seen a video the next day, and it was like biggest shock returns. I wouldn't put it down as a shock for the fact that I think we all knew it was happening, mm-hmm. but we all tuned in to to see it happen. If you get me, it was sort of like, do you remember when the Rock returned in twenty eleven, and we're like, it's the Rock, it's going to be the Rock. Uh-huh. Oh my God, what if it's not the Rock? That was that everyone tuned in because the teasers were punk. It was in Chicago. It had to be punk. It sh- it should be punk. What if it wasn't punk? And I think that that tiny wee bit of doubt that's mm. that's what gets everyone in. It was deafening, as you said, Madison Square Garden level for Triple H return, and they didn't even they didn't wait about, did they? They opened the show. I. I don't think, certainly not in the stream I had, there wasn't a, there wasn't like an intro to Rampage, it was just the crowd yelling CM Punk, mm. and yeah. then it happened, it, it, it was, and it's, it's surreal to say that, you know, on a return that I think everyone in their heart, hearts knew was happening this week, because it's been seven and a half years, it's just, it's so mind-blowing that it actually happened Mm -hmm. it's it's just natural you know to feel a little sense of doubt you know particularly when wwe takes up most of the audience and you know you expect them to do something big and then they disappoint you at the last minute you can't help but think you know maybe AEW's bitten off more than they can chew with this one but in hindsight they haven't because i remember we watched this at stevens when we were um sitting down for SummerSlam. we watched it back on fight network and Everything that we hoped it would be, it, it did happen. You know, his entrance was about three minutes long and he was literally jumping within the crowd and he just soaked it all in. And I think for the first time in, like, since he left WWE, he he seemed genuinely happy to be there. And it was, it really was a pleasure to sort of see him 
come back out, soak up the adoration, and you know, just to generally see him, you know, happy to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned obviously since he left WWE, so a sort of staple of guys getting released or guys who leave WWE. It's the it's the promo. It's the they held me down promo. It's the I was in the Stanford prison promo. You know, it, it's mm. it, it loses its it loses its bite with every person that did it. And here, CM Punk, you know, I'm a man who 100% had an axe to grind. You know, the the injuries he sustained while doing Vince McMahon a favor, working with Ryback, the the fact that he became dangerously unwell, the fact that he was fired on his wedding day, and when someone like that has an axe to grind, you think, right, here we go, this is going to be the original, this is going to be the guy with the biggest axe to grind. Mm -hmm. I don't actually think he did anything untoward other than use WWE's, there was the line, I left pro wrestling in 2005, and that's not him disavowing his WWE accomplishments. That's not him saying, oh, well, screw WWE. It's not. That's him using WWE's own verbiage against them. WWE for years have said they're sports entertainment. Mm. He also made reference to the fact he was unwell. He said, I wasn't going to get better staying in the same place I got sick. Yeah. And again, I, I don't think it, it was a good promo, but. He mentioned afterwards about how he mentioned Ring of Honor, but he was very careful not to mention WWE because he didn't want to be that that guy just having a pop at the competition. And I don't think he said anything anything untoward or anything that took the focus away from AEW. No, you um he handled it uh, very well, you know, all things considered, because everybody knew that he didn't like what WWE, how WWE handled things. He wanted to try and, you know, encourage them to do different things. The staff infection, you know, it was a very, very big problem for him, you know, particularly around the end of 2013, 2014. But when he, but you, you, you made an excellent point there about, about how he left professional wrestling in 2005. And it is using WWE's own, own branding because they're sports entertainment. They're not technically a wrestling company and he didn't mention anybody by name he just said he sort of like omitted it from his time when he, you know he said he left ring of honor in 2005 only to then come back and say he was in a place where you know it ended up you know he he became bitter he became sick and he said he wasn't going to go back uh, anytime soon and i think he was uh he didn't go into any pettiness and stuff but one thing I did catch, you know, was at the very start, it was like, he's got a lot to, to say, but he's not going to say it all in one go because otherwise it's just, you know, it, this is a guy with an axe to grind and he's, he's got it all out in one go. What else is there? So this sort of gradual release and gradual transition back into the sort of pro wrestling industry, this is definitely uh, the smartest move for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And... um. I liked how he put the onus on the the up and comers or the the locker room, saying about how mm -hmm. there's 
he mentioned obviously past feuds, like reference past feuds from his wrestling, just his wrestling career as a whole. Um, he said there's scores to be settled in that locker room, and there's new up and coming talent that I wish was with me ten years ago. And he says, he said I was excited and I wanted to face them, and I thought to myself, well, hell, they're there. Why aren't you? And it. I like that fact that it, it sort of played on his reluctance to get back into wrestling. His, not because he didn't love wrestling, but this is something, I referenced The Rock's return earlier. The Rock referenced about how he didn't want to go back to wrestling until he was able to go back and be like, listen, I don't need to be here because I've made a career in Hollywood. I'm here because I want to be here. Mm-hmm. and Punk obviously had that journey of well wh- why would I go back if you know obviously his, his MMA career one win one no sorry one loss one no contest yes yeah. he, he was maybe reluctant to go back cause of that but you saw almost the edge look when you know you saw 10 years of frustration released from edge you saw CM Punk when it came out, and it was like seven and a half years went away like that. Yeah, it all just sort of uh, sort of vanished because he getting back into MMA, UFC. You know, maybe it was a way to sort of try and venture out, try something new, still stay in like a combat sport of sorts. But the two losses probably rocked him in some capacity. But what I liked about that, you know, is. It's good to know that he wants to mingle with the the AEW homegrown talent, such as Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, and talent like that. But when he talks about scores to settle, that's what I'm most interested in because um, I'm aware that Christian Cage is uh, Impact Champion, but still going through the forbidden door with AEW. I think it'd be good to see those two go at it again, particularly the there's the infamous uh, bitching promo on SmackDown where they're both in the ring with Teddy Long and there was, uh, I think they had that funny interaction with each other. But there was also one that I'm actually quite curious to see is uh, a potential feud with Miro because Miro arrived at the 2014 Royal Rumble, which was obviously Punk's last match. But I think they only had a brief interaction with each other. They never really had a proper one-on-one until Miro made his main roster debut because Punk was gone by then. I'd be interested to see what those two could pull off together, given that, you know, they both have had time in WWE. They both feel like they've been sort of, what's the word? Uh, sort of let down by the company in various ways. Like, obviously, Rusev got over with his own gimmick with Rusev Day. But it just the higher-ups just didn't see him as a main event guy. So he had an axe to grind on his own. So seeing these two go at it, I personally would like to see that. So obviously you mentioned Darby Allen. Darby Allen will be his opponent uh, all out in Chicago September 5th. CM Punk's first match since the Royal Rumble back in 2014. So Darby Allen's the next match. His promo on Dynamite this week, um, the crowd started shouting yes. Mm-hmm. He referenced that he said that's someone else's stick. You might need to wait a little bit longer for that. Rumours abound that Daniel Bryan signed with AEW. Is that one of the scores that he might have to settle? Oh, possibly, actually. 
Um, but then again, they, they sort of never left each other on bad terms. You know, I think because the last time they teamed up was Survivor Series 2013, a few months before Punk left. And as far as I'm aware, they were still on pretty good terms. So it'd be, it, I think it, it would make a lot of sense if they decided to feud at that point. But then again, you know, they could have some something that goes as far back as Ring of Honor, which I'm not entirely sure of. But I did notice a little sort of teaser as well. I don't know if you'd noticed this, but there were some photos going around on Twitter on, or social media. And when CM Punk made his entrances on this week's Dynamite and last week's Rampage, he had letters on his shoes. I think the first one was DB, which teased Daniel Bryan. And there was another one as well, which uh, I think we'll pick up later on, but it was the letters AC. I'll let you use your imagination on that one. I also saw there was um, BW. BW? Did you you see that one? Apparently Bray Wyatt. Oh, yeah, that's a bit of an odd one, but I'd seen other rumours that Bray Wyatt um, could potentially be going to impact wrestling as well. But I think at the minute it's up in the air where he ends up. Well, we'll, we'll go into that a bit later on. Um, last thing on the CM Punk, uh, obviously debut and breaking the internet. And he he was on WWE programming back in 2019, November 2019. He made his debut on WWE Backstage on Fox. He made it clear that he was a Fox employee, not a WWE employee. Mm-hmm. He was a Fox. He was a Fox employee on a show about WWE. He was there, and he said he wouldn't be against a return to the ring, but a bridge would have to be built. Mm. Partly, that bridge wasn't built, and apparently, Fox officials are not happy that uh, CM Punk went on their network after they obviously paid the big money to get SmackDown on that network, has now ended up somewhere else and someone else is getting the the CM Punk return buzz and CM Punk return, like, just everything that comes with that CM Punk return. You know, you knew if he ever came back to wrestling it would break the internet and someone else is getting that publicity and not WWE on Fox. Yeah, it's just one of those things, unfortunately. Like, but I think WWE sort of burned their bridges with Punk, you know, given everything that happened in 2014, etc. And the rumours have been going on for so long that they was potentially going towards AEW, which I think, in all honesty, seems to be actually starting to pick up steam in terms of knowing its demographic, knowing what will please people rather than just sort of living in their own little bubble and say, and everybody follows the instructions of one of one man. That's just not a healthy way to go about things. And I mean, sure he had the, the relationship with Fox, et cetera, but you said it quite clearly. It was a, it was an employee being an employee of Fox, but I think the networks clearly are getting frustrated with, you know, with WWE's approach to things, but I don't, I don't know, maybe there's a sense of pettiness around not signing CM Punk, etc. But given what happened at SummerSlam, you know, we got uh, two big returns, which were massive moments in their own right. But it just seemed to be sort of something to overcompensate for what was a pretty average pay-per-view, especially for one that was a, meant to be a big four. Yeah, you mentioned SummerSlam. We'll go into that now. Um, 
I've got the card here. 11 matches, including the pre-show. I think we all agreed that with a 1am start time and watching in the UK, there should have been more matches moved to the pre-show. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to give you the results just now. If you've not seen them yet, spoilers ahead. Spoiler alert. Uh, Big E defeats Baron Corbin on the pre-show. RK Bro win the tag titles from AJ Styles and Omos. Alexa Bliss defeats Eva Marie. Damian Priest defeats Sheamus for the United States title. The Usos retain the SmackDown tag titles against the Mysterios. Becky Lynch, and we'll get into this a wee bit later, returns and in 26 seconds defeats Bianca Belair for the SmackDown women's title. Uh, Drew McIntyre defeats Jinder Mahal. Charlotte Flair defeats Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley. Edge defeats Seth Rollins. Bobby Lashley defeats Goldberg via referee stoppage for the WWE title. And Roman Reigns defends the WWE Universal title against John Cena. Now, I think the story here was after the match when Brock Lesnar returned to WWE for the first time in a year and a half. It's the longest he's been out of the company Mm -hmm. since he returned back in 2012. Rumours were going about that he had signed a multi-year deal with another promotion. Obviously, that's turned out to be false. New look, beard, ponytail, looks... Like I, I've seen people saying online uh, that they look out of shape. I'm sorry. Like, no way. If, if that's out of shape, I would like to be that. Hi, like he's he looks more shredded now. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about the the top knot though. I mean that's. Mm, I mean it's it's different, but uh, each to their own, I suppose. I mean if it works for him, it works for him. It's just weird because I've always seen him with a short buzz cut look. I've never seen him with his hair that long before. Yeah, absolutely. It is a, a bit of a weird one. Um, but obviously, CM Punk was always going to be the talk of the the talk of the weekend. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that, that return wasn't going to be pop, uh, topped unless WWE did something really, really special. But still, Brock Lesnar returning, and it looks like for the first time, and since almost since he went up against Seth Rollins, that he's going to be a face. And Roman Reigns, this new tribal chief gimmick, Paul Heyman stuck in the middle, like a, like a mother trying to stop her two children from fighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Paul Heyman's reaction alone is, is great. And the memes that are coming out of this already is like Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar in a custody of Paul Heyman ladder match or something, given that it's been like 16 years since uh, Eddie and Ray did the the custody over Dominic, who's now actually competing at SummerSlam for the second year in a row, which was, you know, it's almost symbolic to to see them them go at it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's... It's quite interesting seeing Brock Lesnar in this position, you know, given that he's always seems to have Paul Heyman at his side, bar the, the 2002 heel turn. Because it's hard to tell these days whether Brock is really a face or a heel. He's almost like a, a man on a mission in his own right. Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, he just wants to make a, make easy money or where he wants to just decimate people one at a time. People will still cheer for him. Like, I mean, that does not, that's not to say, you know, whether he's a face or a heel, but you can't really sort of put a label on, you know, someone who's like a massive outsider and people will cheer for him or boo for him, like regardless of what his position is. So it's, I, would, I wouldn't I would class him as a face or a heel 
I'd say, you know, people, if people want to cheer for him, they just cheer for him. Fair enough. Um, I've seen some people, um, are you looking forward to Brock versus Roman again? I think this is going to be better for the fact that Roman's on the most dominating run of his career. He's a lot more comfortable on the mic. Brock is just going to be Brock. There's not going to be any of this. Keep him off TV so Roman can look like the guy who's shown up to work. You know what I mean? It's it's going to be different, and I, I really do look forward to it. Ooh, can you imagine trying to get, like, you know, Roman Reigns' new style as well of, of wrestling? He's not just, you know, the the typical Superman style that we're used to seeing, like, John Cena doing stuff. Like, he's got a, a much more aggressive moveset. You know, he's got the guillotine hold as well to back him up. Can you imagine if Roman actually made Brock pass out or tap out? Like, that would just be a completely different level of domination, especially, you know, with Paul Heyman as the X Factor on the outside. But as far as I'm aware, I think Roman has only ever beaten Brock once, one-on-one, and that was SummerSlam 2018. Every other time that these guys have faced each other, Lesnar's always walked away with a win. And it doesn't matter if it was multi-person matches, whether it was uh, one-on-one, Roman's only ever defeated Brock once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so we go from one return to another. We go... To Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, mm-hmm. rumoured to be at WrestleMania this year, obviously not there. Rumoured to be at the Royal Rumble, obviously wasn't there. Um, there had been a lot of talks that Sasha and Bianca weren't going to make it. Talks of that Sasha Banks was an anti-vaxxer and wasn't going to get vaccinated. Um, weird reports coming out that apparently she went out for a meal during a show day, I think WWE want you to show up at the show like crazy early before just to make sure you're there for like mm-hmm. promo shots and all that, you know, because we've all seen the photos, like the, the title change photos are taken before the show, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for the photo shoots, they want people there for meetings. Apparently she went out against company policy and we thought she was going to be replaced by Carmella only to then be replaced by Becky, who then took in the crowd for far too long, then punched Carmella, then took the crowd in again, then challenged Bianca to a fight, offered her a handshake, rock-bottomed her and pinned her. Um, (laughs) I've seen differing opinions of this online. Mm. What were your thoughts on the, the... First off, the return, are you glad to see Becky back? And then oh, yeah. secondly, the match itself. Yeah, the return itself was great because we all watched this live and most of us, if not all of us, completely lost. Like, we completely lost it. Because, you know, it had been rumoured for so long that Becky would be coming back. We just didn't know when and we didn't know how. Especially not in this capacity, you know, when the SmackDown Women's Championship was all but all but in place. You know, until all this stuff about Bianca and Sasha saying, oh, it might not happen, it might not happen. Like, I didn't even expect, you know, Becky to come out, you know, once Carmella had been brought out. Because it's almost like, uh, yeah, stuff's happened and this match isn't going to happen. So we'll just have to throw you a bone here and, you know, give you Carmella instead. But the response to Becky's return, I'd say that's... It's not. It wasn't as big as Punk's, but maybe 
on par, if not slightly below what Brock Lesnar's reaction was. Because I think nobody expected him to show up and more people were expecting Becky to turn up. As for the match itself, mm, see, I've got, I've got mixed feelings on it. I don't like how it was a squash match because Bianca has been built up since the start of the year to be the new face of the SmackDown women's division. And to lose it in such such a weak fashion, it, it makes her look pretty stupid. You know, given that, you know, she's had some incredible matches with Sasha, with Bailey, uh, even Carmella and Zelina Vega to an extent. So wh- why they couldn't just say, like, instead of having that interlude with Nakamura and Boogs, you know, sort of like a musical interlude, why didn't they just use that time to add to the, the bet? the Becky Bianca match. But if I'm going to play devil's advocate, I think is, I think it could be they just didn't have time to plan a match between these two because it was a last-minute decision to bring Becky in. So that's why it ended up as a squash. So logistically, I can see why it makes sense. In practice, though, no, I'm not a fan of it. I'm going to go the other way. I am actually a fan of it. I like that you know, Becky was one of these people who was turned face by the crowd, by the crowd reaction, by just being herself, right? So the man character is someone who will fight anyone, will take on anyone. And, you know, one thing that's never changed is the do anything to win, do anything to get ahead, do anything to get noticed sort of thing. So, when Becky offers the hand, Bianca, remember, Bianca's only been on the main roster for just under a year. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, and it's her first reign as champion. She has been built up, but she's naive against the wily veteran. And maybe, maybe, I, I think, one, they want time to build to Becky versus Bianca. And two, I think you could easily spin it to either Becky saying, don't ever, you know, don't ever trust me, don't ever trust anyone, don't ever offer anyone your hand till after the match, you know, take any, you know, take any shortcut you can. Or you could easily have Bianca just turn around and go, you knew you had to cheap shot me to win. You knew you couldn't beat me one on one. Because she is the fastest, the greatest, the roughest, the toughest, the EST, and all that. And it still keeps everyone on side, still keeps everyone clicking away. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think Bianca's buried here, not by a long shot, certainly not the state of you know WWE's women. We don't have a SmackDown 2016 women's division. We have, We had Sasha and Bianca. We now don't have Sasha for some reason. We now have Becky and Bianca. Bianca's going to be absolutely fine taking a loss. You know, a SummerSlam loss led to the biggest career change in trajectory that anyone's ever had when Becky Lynch became the man. Mm -hmm. A SummerSlam loss for Bianca could lead to something more. Mm, I suppose when you put it like that, it's... You could look at it from from both both sides here, because what I'm reminded of when I saw that result was 
SmackDown's debut on Fox when Brock Lesnar squashed Kofi Kingston for the WWE title. That's that's what I was reminded of when I saw that. But the difference here though, yes. that was to get the title off Kofi, get on Lesnar, and get Kofi out of the title picture. Bianca's still in the title picture. Bianca's not going anywhere. Mm. Well, they could have at least had a decent match between Brock and Kofi. You know, it's it's you know, it's like their clash at Beast in the East. It didn't last like nine seconds. It was a lot longer than that. But the the good thing about this is though, but you, you you're right. The good thing about this is now Becky and Bianca have got a solid program lined up and ready to go for anywhere between now and maybe even Survivor Series if we're lucky. So it's we could potentially see a series of matches, and then you've also got you know Sasha's status is up, is up in the air as well. Could she insert her way back in? Maybe we could see a triple threat scenario like that's. Three big names in the SmackDown women's division, and it's going to make it must-see. So, obviously, we, we mentioned SummerSlam. Um, just a wee fun note, obviously, we saw the return of Edge's brood entrance. So obviously, we saw the blood on SmackDown a week ago. We saw the brood entrance. Apparently, Gangrel was lined up to appear on Dynamite, either this week or in the coming weeks. But because of Edge's like brood entrance, AEW cancelled it. So poor <laughs> Gangrel. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if that was just unfortunate or just really poor timing. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. It's like WWE gets a one up on Gangrel making an, uh, an appearance just because they had Edge do a, a brood style entrance. But he sort of teased that on the SmackDown prior, so it wasn't just like a one off thing. It was you know Edge sort of digging into that dark that dark mindset and that's what helped him have the ed- well for lack of a better phrase it gave him the edge over Seth Rollins oh, in their in their match <laughs> I'm sorry and as we move on to TakeOver <laughs> oh yeah please do so we're going to move on to TakeOver a night of change in NXT uh, Ridge Holland defeats Trey Baxter Cameron Grimes defeats LA Knight for the million dollar title Raquel Gonzalez defends the women's title against Dakota Kai. Ilya Dragunov ends Walter's historic United Kingdom Championship reign. Uh, I I like that it ended, but see at the same time, I don't like the fact that the the UK titles changed hands three times in the States and once in the UK. Uh, to be honest, I'm actually not that fast. All I just wanted to see was an excellent match. And my God, did we get a brilliant match between these two. And Uncle Dave Meltzer, you know, everyone's favorite, he gave the match 5.25 stars, making only the fourth match in WWE history to break the five-star rating scale. I'm not sure what the other three matches were, but yeah. If, I mean, if you thought their their initial clash on NXT UK was great, this surpassed it by a, a long way. Like I was, I was watching it live, and I was on the edge of my seat, waiting for this to to go down. Like this was the match I was most looking forward to, given how much praise and adoration they had in their previous encounter. And I we're still, think we're still going through the results here, Dave. I only stopped to just say, <laughs> Jesus, hey, like, I'm sorry. Like, I, listen, this was the this was hands down match of the night. I think we got to milk it for what it's worth. 
That's lovely. Anyway, moving swiftly back to what I was talking about, <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly defeats Adam Cole 2 1 in the. <laughs> Stop it. 2 uh, 1 in the 2 out of 3 falls match. Riley wins the first fall in a traditional wrestling match. Adam Cole wins the street fight. And then Riley wins the cage match via submission. And then Samoa Joe defeats Karrion Cross for the NXT Championship. So. We'll go back to obviously the United Kingdom Championship match. You know, you you were obviously gushing over that. You know, please continue. Yeah, like it was arguably one of the best matches I've ever seen, and this goes along, you know, with Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania twenty five, John Cena, CM Punk at uh, Money in the Bank. This is now probably within my top five favorite matches of all time everything everything you wanted you know from the knife edge chops from the fast-paced high-flying moves and just a sheer like perfection of chain wrestling power moves it just had everything you could ever want and the storytelling was unreal like it doesn't matter how much punishment Dragunov took he still got back up and you know we've had the the privilege of seeing him live in ICW compete against like Joe Coffey and stuff. I mean, I thought he was pretty good, but I never expected him to pull off a performance quite like that. And for him to finally dethrone Walter after 870 days, like it doesn't matter like how big or how muscular he is. Cause he is actually quite small. All things considered, he just took down a 300 pound guy and he just would not give up. I've got a whole new level of respect for Dragunov. Um, moving on to the two out of three falls matches, I'm more interested <clears throat> in matches, obviously the last two matches of the card, I'm more interested in the fallout of them. First off, Adam Cole, It's so there's been back and forward and I, I believe it was Sean Ross Sapp was arguing with the Wrestling Observer where the Wrestling Observer said his contract is up, he's away, he's gone, he's done. Um Sean Ross Sapp said, no, actually, his contract's up as of... I don't know if it was as of Friday or Friday is his last day as a contract to WWE Superstar. Um, then WWE tweet out, by the way, uh, Adam Cole is going to be with Johnny Gargano. Uh, we're going to be releasing a new line of toys and they're going to be you're the host. By the way, if you've not seen that, watch it. It's hilarious. <laughs> um up, up, down, down starts promoting more things, including involving Adam Cole. And both Friday shows this week, both SmackDown and uh, Rampage, now become must-see because is Cole staying with WWE and going to SmackDown? Because he did put on his story, you know, Pat McAvee is his old rival. Pat McAvee's new favourite wrestler is Shinsuke Nakamura. He put a photo up with the two of them. Then Matt Hardy tweeted out earlier today, a um, lot of respect to Adam Cole. He is an elite talent. And let's not forget, uh, Big Money Matt was his mentor in Ring of Honor in 2014. So, and put, put a photo of them. So Adam Cole has the wrestling world guessing I think we all think he's going to show up on one of the Friday shows tonight. Uh-huh. I think if it's, I think if it's WWE, 
He's not going to show up on SmackDown for a while, given the recent news that Pat McAvee is out with coronavirus. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because if you recall a few weeks ago, he actually had a very productive meeting with Vince backstage on SmackDown. And there was rumors that, you know, he was currently on, I think, about 100K a year from NXT. I think there were rumors that he was actually being offered a million a year to stay with WWE because Triple H, Shawn Michaels, they both see him as an absolute steal for their company. I think the tricky thing is they just need to convince that they need to convince uh, Vince to do the same. <laughs> That's easy for me to say. Um as for, you know, a signings with AEW or Ring of Honor, you know, what if the, what if everybody's in on it together? You know, given the, like, oh, let's keep everybody guessing, you know, he could go, he could stay with WWE, he could jo- rejoin the elite in AEW, or he might even pull a complete swerve and go over to to Ring of Honor. It's It's certainly keeping people guessing for sure, but I think I would like him to stay with WWE personally. But if he decides to go to AEW amidst all the the hype around CM Punk and potentially Daniel Bryan, among others, I'm worried that his arrival might be diminished because of it. And I think personally, it would be more impactful if he were to arrive on SmackDown. I mean, that's just the way I'm looking at it. But I just don't want his his stock and his stardom to be affected because of other recent returns. No, I absolutely get you there. I, I think, listen, I, I love a good return and I love a good defection and I love, or a call up or a, you know, a return or something like, you know what I mean? Cause it always gets people talking like, Oh my God, they're back. Or, oh my God, they went there or they're there now, or he's healed. She's faced. This is that, you know, and Punk is obviously going to be okay in AEW, but his arrival then puts another top guy on top, which then mm. gets another mid-card guy put down a bit. And then you've got the whole Forbidden Door thing. And while it is fun, and they, are, they do have two shows, well, they have four shows now, so the, impact, sorry, the AEW roster's getting a bit cramped. Uh-huh. Then on the flip side... Adam Cole on SmackDown, does he get the treatment that the likes of, you know, Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre, uh, Roman Reigns got, where, you know, they're they're fine, they're multi-time champions, they're, they're always going to be a fixture, or do they go the way of Andrade, Bo Dallas, the Ascension, you know what I mean? It's mm. But the thing about Adam Cole is, you know, he's a decorated veteran you know he's been in ring of honor he's been in new japan he's been in nxt he could stay with wwe on smackdown he's got the experience behind him he's absolutely brilliant on the mic he's got a personality behind him and he's not like he's not been featured on smackdown or raw before because he's defended the nxt title against both seth rollins and daniel bryan so there's clearly something there uh something there for him the um I hope he gets booked in the same way like Seth Rollins does. You know, he's not the biggest guy on the roster, but it's his personality and his character work is what's going to carry him mainly. And everything he does in the ring is just an added bonus because that's a cert. You know, he's got that completely completely nailed down, which is a bit of a shame, you know, considering the response to the, the, the two out of three falls match, given 
the NX, the the CWC crowd were chanting bullshit by the end of the match. It almost, I can't help but feel a sense of underwhelmingness for the undisputed finale, as it was called. Like, I don't know if they just wanted, maybe they just wanted Cole to win the feud, or 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 they feel like it could have gone on a bit longer. It's it's, it's difficult to say. So I'm just a bit worried. You know, his NXT time just feels like it's just went out on a on a whimper rather than a bang. You know what? You know, a two out of three falls match, a great feud with Cole, a great match, sorry, O'Reilly, a great match with O'Reilly. I'm still not convinced with O'Reilly as a singles guy, but maybe this two out of three falls match puts him into the stratosphere, which, you know, then builds the next guy. Adam Cole has done everything in NXT. He's main event in multiple takeovers, five-star matches, first-ever North American champion, mm-hmm. Dusty Cup winner, NXT tag champ, longest reigning NXT champion. Yeah, yeah. so I think, I, I personally think he should have, see when he lost the title, that was his time to go. I think Adam Cole has hung about a bit too long in NXT because it's now getting to the point where why isn't Adam Cole on TV? Okay, we'll put Adam Cole on TV, but we're not going to put him in the title picture. So then you're like, well, I'm really not interested. Can we move him somewhere else and hmm. start afresh? I you know think- what? You know what, though? I'm actually glad they had that War Games match with uh, Super Heel Pat McAfee and Pete Dunne and Lorcan and Birch because it had but- them portrayed as a face faction for the well, first they, time. Well, that, that could have been the, the undisputed ending. You know what I mean? That could have been... They could have each went, you know, look, we're, we're going to go our own ways now. Or, yeah. what, you know, we, we went as far as we can went, go together, you know what I mean? Because one last war and then we'll, we'll go our separate ways. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I just think they've done everything they can together. And yeah, I hope he's still in WWE. I hope he gets the treatment Seth Rollins got. Hopefully he doesn't get a Bo Dallas treatment, but you uh, never know. Or a, a carrying cross treatment for that. I don't want him dressed up in a bloody gladiator's outfit that looks more like a, like bondage gear. Well, you've cut ahead of me on the, the new, would you call it the next story, which was obviously Samoa Joe, three-time uh, NXT champion, first person to do that in history. Um, he's... He seems to be the new focal point for NXT. Mm-hmm. He he recently said in a an interview he thinks Vince like Vince sees him as the guy to carry that brand. He has a really good relationship with Vince apparently. Um, let's just roll over that fact that he was fired. Uh, <laughs> After wearing a poncho. Okay, but Karrion Cross shows up in Raw this week, dressed as some. It was meant to be a gladiator. It looked more samurai gear, but like no, samurai no, no, it gear. Was not, it was not samurai gear. I'll give you that much. Let's the comparison I made. It was. Um, I was talking. I mean, in more the helmet. The helmet looked very like samurai gear, but it looked like Poundland. You know, <laughs> unlicensed. You know, what I mean, where it's like it's Super Mario, but it's like Italian plumber or Kill Bill. Killing Mill, you know, like <laughs> that to avoid copyright. It was like the first um, samurai. It was like average Joe's initial uniform that get mixed up with their their own kit. 
you know, they had to wear that really, they had to wear those leather outfits that looked very much like, you know, like dominatrix style. That's what I was reminded yes. of. Yes. <laughs> um, that is a weird one. Hopefully, it, you know, hopefully it turns out okay. Apparently Scarlet is going to be on the main roster with um, Carrie and soon. Mm-hmm. I think they are a package deal. I think NXT did so much work with them together that they, one without the other now feels strange. It's sort of like when Rusev was broke away from Lana, uh-huh. it was it was such a weird thing. So um, hopefully things work out for the first Samurai Dodgeball champion carrying cross <laughs> on Monday Night Raw, but I can see him asking for his release soon if this continues, Jesus. Um, but w- what do you think about Samoa Joe as the... As the champion, do you see that as a step backwards, or is it is it a is it a return to form for Samoa Joe? I think it's a return to form, if I'm being honest, because obviously he's, he's not getting any younger. He's in his forties now, and he did look like he seemed a little bit gubbed during the match. But I think you know maybe you could relate that to ring rust uh, in some sense because he hasn't had a match since that was his first match since February 2020, I believe. So he's been out the ring for about 18 months. And the match only went about 12 minutes or so. And he, he I think it's, it's good in terms of, you know, going ahead with this new format of NXT, given that, you know, they're trying to return to sort of homegrown talent and they sort of build themselves up themselves rather than just sort of bringing in indie guys from other promotions and then they immediately challenge for the championship because of, you know, whether it's their veteran nature or their history on the, on the industry. I think... Samoa Joe sort of represent now represents the sort of peak of NXT, you know, as like a goal for these new up and coming talents to work towards, such as Carmelo Hayes, who has now won the breakout tournament. You know, he could easily challenge Samoa Joe at any time. Um, but then you've also got, you know, outside factors like, you know, Kyle O'Reilly, LA Knight, Pete Dunne, and maybe a few guys around the, the North American title scene as well. Like any of those guys could work their way up towards Joe. But he Joe's very much now the established veteran looking over these young ta- these young talents and wondering who's going to step up to the challenge. It's almost like John Cena with the US title. It's like, uh, step up whoever wants to challenge me and see if you can get it done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we talked about, obviously, Adam Cole maybe going to AEW there. Um, someone else who could be going to AEW, but there's conflicting reports that Impact have made a big play. That's the former Bray Wyatt. Um, mm. I don't know if he'll still be able to use that name, but uh, Bray Wyatt is apparently... Look, AEW want him. I think AEW want everyone these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, Impact are apparently going to make a big play for him um, and aren't satisfied just getting him is like the sort of open door, uh, sorry, forbidden door thing. They want him on their side. They want him every week and they're going to make a big play for him. Uh, Impact, I've said before, it seems a place where if you go there, you're allowed to flesh out a character and maybe let it run. It might not be great, but sometimes, you know, you need to let a character run to know, right, okay, this is not, this is not good. They've had a lot of success with people coming back. Mm-hmm. The likes of Matt Cardona and Brian Myers have been allowed to express themselves. 
the Drama King, former Aiden English is there now, mm-hmm. winner of the the doubles tournament they did with Diana Perrazzo. Um Diana Perrazzo has made the most of it for sure. Like she's now the the number one female in the impact women's division, even when she was when she was just another face in the crowd uh, in NXT slash WWE. Yeah. Yeah, well there you go, Diana Perrazzo, another one who's made made the most of the opportunity to flesh out her character and be on TV every week, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Make herself a star. And well, like now she's one of the headline acts at the Empower uh, women's pay-per-view for MWA. Against she's Melina. Defending, yes, against the former Melina, uh, defending the Impact uh, Knockout Championship. So it'd be cool to see Bray Wyatt go there because I think they have smaller crowds. They tape on, like, they tape three, four weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. They do a lot more backstage stuff and are willing to do more cinematic stuff. And I think for someone like Bray Wyatt, that could be really, really beneficial because for the simple fact that if he goes to AEW, He's going to be another top guy, which means another mid-card guy gets moved down a bit further. Mm-hmm. And then a top guy gets moved to them. And it just, it's top heavy in AEW at the minute. And I think they need to, like, for now, I think, big, like, obviously, why would you not want to go for Bray Wyatt? Aye. It, it, but I personally, I personally think Bray Wyatt should go to Impact. I don't, I don't disagree with you, actually. I think Impact would do Bray Wyatt a world of good here you know he has the potential to be the top guy if he goes to impact whereas on AEW, as you said you know if aw signs too many former wwe guys who were potential main event talent but wwe just didn't pull the trigger with them it endangers those those guys who started with AEW as their first sort of major promotion and they're going to end up somewhere down in the mid card whereas aw's main event scene is just going to look like you know outcasts from WWE and it will turn into like mid 2000s TNA essentially you know we had guys like Kevin Nash, Sting, the Dudley Boys all former WWE guys essentially in TNA's main event scene whereas guys like AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, Abyss you know they didn't feel like the guys in that instance when they probably should have been and I think with Impact's ability you know maybe to pull off cinematic matches I'm curious if Bray Wyatt's going to keep maybe a, maybe maybe not exactly the Fiend gimmick, but what if he does something similar to it? Because I think WWE might still have the copyright to the Fiend, and they've sort of merged that over to Alexa Bliss's character in some capacity. So it's... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure... Sh- I don't think he could pull off Husky Harris again, that's for sure, but <laughs> as long as he as long as long he does like something similar to Eater of Worlds slash the Fiend or somewhere in between, uh, that'll be a huge gain for Impact. Yeah, um, WWE have actually announced. Uh, I put the thing in the chat the other day. Um, part of their Funko Pop line, uh, a glow in the dark fiend Funko Pop, mm. and it, it's a Christmas themed Funko Pop. So it won't be out until December. So they're still going to be advertising fiend stuff till December. So. Aye. Maybe maybe he's gone back to WWE. Who knows? Mm. I'm, I'm getting reminded of Mickey James's tweet as soon as he got released. It was like, it's not we wish you well in your future endeavours. It's more like, oh, I'm sorry we 
we couldn't find any sort of booking plans for you, but we're going to continue to make money off of it by simply giving your your gimmick to somebody else. That's that's what I'm reminded of. Like, yeah. even though Bray Wyatt's now gone from the company, they're still going to try and make money off the fiend, and I think that's that's pretty poor on their part. Well, someone who has been struggling to make money and <laughs> now is apparently rich again, and he has been the best thing on WWE TV the past few weeks, Baron Corbin and his money troubles have been hilarious. Yeah. Um, and apparently, he, SummerSlam was in Vegas. Apparently, he went to the casino with the last of his money and struck it rich. He's been doing vignettes on Twitter about how he's got new suits and a new car and he's looking fresh again. And he's, I, I think it's hilarious. I think he is the best thing on WWE TV. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, I just think he's hilarious. I think Baron Corbin, you know, we get bogged down in the, oh, is he a good wrestler? He's a great character mm-hmm. when he's allowed to do stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this current angle he's been doing is probably his best work in WWE thus far. Because people people were going to boom from the offset, whether it was in NXT or the main roster, because he was such a detestable character. Like, you know, he was like the standard comic book villain that no matter what he does, you are going to boo him. But in this instance, you, you almost feel a little bit sympathetic for him, you know, because he had all the, the power and the glory as King of the Ring. He lost all that to Nakamura. And he's just been on this downward spiral ever since. You know, he's uh, eating food out of tins. He's only got the one shirt. Uh, He can't look after himself properly. He's losing left, right and center to Kevin Owens and stuff. Who, funnily enough, didn't appear at SummerSlam yet. Baron Corbin got a match against Big E because he stole the Money in the Bank contract. I mean, that's a man who was desperate for for money in any capacity. (laughs) So I think that and it's really cleverly well written, his character up to this point. And do you know what was really clever about those vignettes as well? It wasn't just a winning streak he had because I think in the first segment, you know, he was eating steak. He was in a presidential suite. He got himself a new shirt. And then he he lost a fair amount again because, you know, it highlights the dangers of gambling, etc. And he went from the presidential suite to a motel room. But then in the next set, you know, he walks out with a new suit. You know, as you said, the new suit, the new car. And it looks like he's just regained everything again. So it's not like... It's not like a going from A to B, essentially, in terms of getting all your money back, because you can still lose just as much uh, with gambling. And I think that's I think that was really cleverly written into those those vignettes as well. And his his whole mood changes, you know, from his like he hit rock bottom to he's got a bit of an uplift again, but he's now taken another hit. You know, he's resorted to a motel room uh, only to be now back on top, you know, with the riches and, you know, the power that sort of came with it. It's I'm I'm excited to see what they do with them now on. Yeah, me too. I like the idea that he hasn't learned his lesson. Like he, he still thinks he is like above everyone despite his troubles. Mm-hmm. Um so the card for AEW's next pay-per-view as we mentioned all out CM Punk Darby Allen. Another match recently added Chris Jericho versus MGF. If Jericho loses, he retires from in-ring competition in AEW. Um, rumours of a Fozzy tour soon. Is this bye-bye for a while for Jericho in AEW? Mm, hard to say, really, because 
you know, Jericho always seems to get involved in these, you know, retirement angles or he leaves the company angle because of Fozzie touring, essentially. But in this instance, it feels a little bit different because he does have a commentator's role on Rampage. And I don't know if maybe he's just going to be reduced to, to doing that now because he's he's a big enough personality to draw in ratings uh, on commentary or cutting promos and stuff because if he's reduced to even like a an interviewer role like Tony Schiavone, for example, he's still getting TV time and people are going to enjoy his, his personality and his ability to cut good promos. If he is going on a Fozzie tour, though, I mean, fair play to him. You know, it's... It's, it's his other ventures. They're still going strong after what was that, about maybe what, 15, 20 years or so. And, you know, it's a good thing to do, you know, given that, you know, the last 18 months have just shut, you know, world tours down, both in terms of music, comedy, and any form of entertainment. So, um, I mean, if he decides to stick around on AEW, I, I like that, you know, he's going to be there in at least a commentary role. But, as for his in-ring work, he doesn't need to prove anything else. He is, as he said, the goat of wrestling. He's in his 50s now. There's no shame in it if he like, called it quits here and now. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I say he's done everything he can. I'm sure there'll be, still be things he wants to do, but do you retire now from in-ring competition at 50-year-old? He's going to be 51 in November. Mm-hmm. Or do you do you keep going until you get to a cut angle stage where, you know, you've had X amount of injuries and X amount of surgeries and now it's a case of you're a shell of your former self? Mm. I... Well, personally, if I was him in that position, I'd want to retire where a point to a point where at least I could still enjoy my life and not have to worry about you know either having to deal with permanent injuries for the rest of my life. You know, I'd want to enjoy some of the finer things. You know, whilst I've still got whatever health I have left. But I, again, it, it's different, different situation for different people. If if they want to keep going until their body physically says stop you you cannot do this anymore it's you know that's entirely up to them and bear in mind you've you've got sting still competing in his 60s which is pretty mad to think about so again it just comes back to you know personal preferences but if it was me uh i would stop if my body said stop that's fair enough um he so we'll do what we did last week and it's a new feature here if you're part of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community page on Facebook if not please join it's a it's a good way to get involved and get a just talk about wrestling it's good just a good place to talk about wrestling you can keep up to date with the latest shows we release we post them there first before we post it on the other social media pages Um. David Campbell started asking a question every week and his question this week goes as follows and Dave, you posted an answer to this and I'm going to get you to elaborate. So, (laughs) it's reportedly a new year for NXT coming up in the near future. But my question for this week concerns the recent past. 
Who do you think the next MVP? Sorry, who do you think was the NXT Jesus MVP <laughs> of the pandemic era? So we had six responses to that. Stephen Wilson said Io Shirai. Uh, Grant McRobbie said Kyle O'Reilly. Jack Graham said Johnny Gargano in the way. Scott McLeod and Anthony Fitzpatrick both put <laughs> gifts and commented to the moon, <laughs> referencing Cameron Grimes. David, you said Adam Cole. Would you care to elaborate on your answer? Uh, yeah, the reason I put Adam Cole was essentially because I actually agreed with Stephen's choice of Io Shirai, and I just put Adam Cole up just to just go, well, it's Adam Cole, of course, you know. Uh, Bear, he was still in the midst of his lengthy NXT title run by that point, and he still, you know, delivered some excellent matches here and there. He had a brilliant rivalry with Pat McAfee as well, almost to a point where it got so personal that, you know, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, William Regal were all getting involved. And the fact that Adam Cole managed to get a brilliant match out of Pat McAfee, who was making his debut at the time, it, 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 I think it's a testament, you know, how much of a professional and how much of a veteran he is as well. Not Let's not forget as well, um, you know, they had another outstanding War Games match as the Undisputed Era as a whole. But it was really refreshing to see Adam Cole as a face at the time. So that was essentially my reasoning for putting him there. But yeah, but in all honesty, it would it would have to go to Io Shirai just for the outstanding number of title defenses and the great matches she had with the likes of Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae in particular. That that tables, ladders, and chairs match on the Halloween episode. Yeah, just absolutely outstanding work from the pair of them. I'm going to agree with Jack Graham and I'm going to say Johnny Gargano in the way I think them as a foursome were incredibly entertaining. I thought they were the funniest part of each NXT. Their rivalries with Champa, Tegan Knox, um, what's their names? Ember Moon and Shotzi yep. Blackheart. Um, even recently, their rivalry with Theo Shirai and... Um, Zoe Starks. I thought they were great. I thought the <laughs> when they all dressed up for In Your House as members of the clique, I thought that was hilarious. That was great. Um, Johnny Gargano slashing the pumpkin at Halloween Havoc, hilarious. Um, and obviously, Index. Index. The love great. triangle between Indy and Dexter Loomis has been great. Johnny Gargano finally getting a proper. North American title run and multiple takeover wins. They they're my choice for MVPs, but no one cares what my choice is. Who's <laughs> your choice? Who do you think the impact? Who made the biggest impact in the pandemic era in NXT? Was it Champa? Was it Teddy Thatcher? What's his name? Thatcher. Jesus couldn't get the name out there. Was it Thatcher? Was it MSK? MSK are a great show. What about Grizzled Young Veterans? Uh, Isaiah Sir, Sir Swerve Scott. Easy Legado for me to say. Fantasma. Legado del Fantasma. Kishida, Pete Dunne. Even Pat McAfee could be a shout on his own. Uh, let us know. Eat, sleep, suplex, retweet, fan community. Comment on the post or even let us know on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. That's at suplex, retweet. 
And if you want to listen to more episodes like this, Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android, I can say all that with tongue tying, but I can't say Legado del Fantasma or Timothy Thatcher, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so obviously, as you can tell by the plugs of multiple things, that is us wrapping up for another week. I won't be here next week. I am going on a scouting mission for the best caravans in Craig Tara for Stephen Stagdo. But someone else will be here to take my place, only not as good as doing it. want to thank David Hockney for joining us here. Yeah, thank you for having me once again. Thank you, David Campbell, for his question. I'm going to call it Campbell's question. It rolls off the tongue a bit better rather than the goat's question. Mm -hmm. I just, I think that's an ego as big as his forehead, that boy. Anyway, we'll see you next (laughs) week. See see you later on. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McRobbie. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.